Testament book of Romans is a masterpiece of the Christian faith. Written to the new believers in first century Rome, it continues to speak to believers today. More than that, it is God's revealed truth to the world of his love for mankind and his plan to bring spiritual renewal to the world. It's heady stuff, this letter. Peace with God through faith. Struggling in the tension of doing things my way or God's way. The faithfulness of God and his incredible love for every one of us. God's love can be overwhelming. This learning to live in the freedom of God's grace. That's why we have titled this eight-week series, Drinking from Fire Hydrants, Renewed by Overwhelming Grace. Listen as Pastor Ron shares from the inspired words of the great teacher Paul from Romans, chapters 5 through 8, on God's overwhelming grace. Welcome, church family. It's so good to be with you this Easter, and um, what a delight it is to have you here. If you're new with us, you haven't been here for a while, thank you so much for making this day a day where we can celebrate together God's rich grace and love for you. You know, there might have been some new things for you, new experiences you walked in, some people you didn't know, so we understand that was kind of a risk. Um, maybe the songs were unfamiliar to you and it felt a little uncomfortable and you saw other people doing crazy things like raising her hand or you're wondering if Harry's going to break dance or something up here. He was so excited about what he was singing about. And, um, and then you saw baptisms. You experienced someone articulating their faith in Jesus and you thought, wow, I'm not sure. This is a place, men and women and boys and girls, where we discover how to have relationship with Jesus Christ and and what that means, actually, not just on a historic sense or global sense, but what does it mean for us personally when we say that Jesus is risen, he is risen for sure, or indeed, or whatever? What does that actually mean for us personally? And I just would invite you to consider God's word this morning and consider his invitation of love for you, that his, his love is generous, it has no limit. It is unconditional, regardless of who you are, what you've done in the past, the load that you walked in with, your brokenness, your shame and guilt, whatever. That God's love is designed, crafted, especially, perfectly with you in mind. Yesterday, we had a great day of celebrating, and a lot of you served faithfully. I want to thank you for that. Wow. Um, I don't know how many people we had here, somewhere in excess of 3,000 perhaps, and um, a lot of people getting a lot of Easter eggs and having a lot of fun, having a lot of conversations, and I had a conversation with a, with a man who was here who works for one of the local newspapers. He's, been, he's seen other events that we've done, and, and uh, we started a conversation, and he said, I just want you to know that I go and see a lot of different churches, a lot of different events around the city. And this is unique. And I kind of, you know, my ears perked up. I want to know what was unique about the day yesterday. And he goes, I've never, I don't really witness in other places people serving with this kind of joy. And man, I was just so proud of you guys who were volunteering. I thought, oh, that nails it, right? And I said, and so I asked him, you know why they're serving with that kind of joy? And of course, he's kind of not sure if he wants to enter in a conversation like that with a pastor, you know? <laughs> and, um, 
And so he says, politely, he says, so tell me, you know, and I, I said, so here's the deal. People express themselves around here to serve with joy because they've experienced the love of God personally poured out in their life. And they can't do anything else but express their love, their joy for him back. And this isn't about people trying to earn God's favor and do a bunch of good deeds, notching on their belt or whatever. This isn't about them trying to earn karma and then wondering whether they've done enough. This is simply people responding to the love of God poured out in their life, and that's why they do it with joy. We like to do it, actually, to respond back to him as an act of worship. And he's, like, he's thinking, you know, the wheels are going in this guy's life. And we've had other conversations before in the past. And then he turns to walk away, and he said, you know what, I, you know, I think I really need religion. And I say, no, you don't. <laughs> he's like, what you need is relationship. You need a relationship with the living, loving Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you need. If you walked in here, what you really need, if you don't have it yet, and what you are invited to participate in freely, is a real, healthy relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ who has risen from the dead for you and for me. And this morning you can experience that without cost or charge, free, given for you by the love of God demonstrated on a cross in time and space and history and by rising from the dead with all kinds of witnesses so that people would know that God conquers death. He conquers it for you. The story actually is told for us in the Gospels I want us to read one together, kind of responsively. And then I, as we do, I want this to be spinning around in your head. What's the one thing I love about this story? And then I'm going to ask you to respond. That will be a responsive part in our message. So we're going to read it together. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 24. We always spend time in the Bible. If you didn't bring one, that's okay. There's some provided for you. And I believe that you'll find the passage on page 748 in the Bibles provided or Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. I'll read a verse and you read a verse. We'll go back and forth and read together God's word for you. This is him speaking for you and to you. At, uh, Luke chapter 24. And this is an account from Dr. Luke of what happened after the cross and burial of Jesus Christ on the third day. Now, turn to someone around you, maybe in front of you, maybe you don't even know them, and be welcoming, and tell them, if you would, take a risk, the one thing you love about it, or you can say, I don't know, that's okay, feel free to say that too, if there's nothing, you know, so take a moment right now, we're going to have an interaction time, that means you talk amongst yourselves, and uh, just mention one thing you love about that account, go for it, I'll give you a couple minutes. Okay, let me hear it. Um, something that you love, somebody, something that you love about the account. Feel free. Yeah, that's a good news, isn't it? He's risen. That's actually, they, they walked the tomb and it was empty. That's good news, yeah. Somebody else, something that you love. 
Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah, uh, Peter, who is often, if you don't know the accounts of the Gospels, the, the first one to pipe up comes to a place and he doesn't know what to say, right? He's, he's shut up, in fact, in the mystery and the wonder and surprise of it all, that they thought it was just idle stuff that the women were talking about and discovered that they'd been, um, they'd been wrong. Yeah, yeah. It loves that we can be forgiven now because of what happened in the tomb. One more thing. Somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, that he has power because he's proved it in the resurrection that we have the hope of new life. We have the hope of eternal life. There are a lot of things I love about this account. I, I love that... Um, guys who were supposed to have it all wired, they were the skeptics. They didn't trust it. They thought the women were just, you know, making up a story. But just to make sure, Peter, and another account says, John, have a foot race to the tomb to see if, you know, it's just, or actually what Jesus had been promising them all through his ministry with them, repeatedly, that he was going to die for them as a sacrifice for their sin and brokenness, he was going to give his life. And then in three days, he was going to demonstrate his power in history with witnesses. He was going to rise from the dead and prove that he could conquer our death and destruction. He was going to do that physically so that they would know they could have new life spiritually, that that promise came true. I love that it was ladies who had the courage to be the ones that went to the tomb in the first place. And listen, they had Roman guards around that tomb, and all they knew was that if they went there, they were risking their lives too because Jesus was a convicted man. He had been executed. And these ladies are going to risk their lives to go and visit the tomb. So it's ladies who had the courage while all the guys are sitting around in this room scared to go there. I think that's sweet, great part of the story. And then when they get there, I love what the angels say. Don't you love that part of the text? Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why would you do that? He's not here. He is risen. Just as he promised you, as he said repeatedly, he's done it. He's been faithful to his promise and his word. Men and women, we're gathered here this morning because God has been faithful and true to his word for you, to his promise to make a very real difference in your life, in your marriage, in your families, in your personal life, and what's going on with you right now. And he is faithful and true to his word. I love this story of his resurrection because it matters. Why does it matter? Really, I mean, Beside the church stuff, why does this really matter? There's a passage in God's Word found in Romans chapter 8. And I want to turn there and we're going to spend the remainder of our time thinking about the reasons what, that we have to celebrate. So Romans chapter 8, turn over there in your Bible. If you don't know how to get there, in the Pew Bible that's provided for you, it's, it's uh, page 800, I believe. Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at Romans 8, 1 through 17. We have been in the middle of a series, if you've missed it, walking through the book of Romans, um, specifically Romans 5 through 8. And Romans 8 is kind of crescendo 
Right? If, you, if you think about the music, it's just, it builds up to this wonderful truth that we're about to read and think about and, and enjoy together. Romans begins this way, that God has written his law, his moral law, on every person's heart that has ever existed, so that every person would be in front of God without excuse. We can't blame other people or dodge it or avoid it or hide it from God who knows all things. And every person stands before God imperfect, broken, guilty before Him because we, we haven't been perfect. We took a, a poll right here and and, uh, and I asked the question, who's perfect? Anybody here perfect? Because almost everybody would be truthful and say no. And there might be a few of you who would say, oh, I am. And then your mom or dad or your wife would turn to you and say, actually, no, I've got empirical evidence that says different. You are not perfect. You have fallen short. And that's Paul's point, that we all fall short of God's perfect standard, his glory for our life, his plan. But he doesn't leave us there, does he? And that's the great news. That although we stand before God, the perfect judge, guilty, God offers you freely as a gift his justification. That is, Jesus took your guilt and shame on his own shoulders and walked up to the cross and hung on the cross in a brutal way to die for you and your sin. And it didn't stop there. We celebrate Easter because he conquered the power of death in your life and in my life. That he rose from the dead. That's what we celebrate, his goodness. And so, Romans says, though you have been guilty, God has provided an answer for you. So does that mean, oh great, I can take the answer and do whatever I want with my life? So that everyone would look and say, wow, isn't God a greater forgiving? And he says in Romans 6, may it never be. Grace should transform you, should make you different, should make you want to pursue God and do the right thing in your life. And yet, right now in the middle of it, even for those of you who have trusted Jesus, you know the truth of it. It's still hard. We still have a nature that pulls us towards sin and a desire to follow God, and they battle right now, and that's the story in Romans chapter 7. And then he gets to this sweet word in Romans chapter 8. Look at the word with me. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now, what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again so it soaks into your heart. There is... Now, this moment, right now, where you sit. Even though all your past struggles and failures and hurts and wounding, your brokenness, your rebellion, your ugliness, the, the dark thoughts, the things you've done, there is no, no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who have experienced newness of life by placing their faith in Jesus, there's no condemnation. For those who have yet to do that, you'll live and you'll stew and you'll end your life condemned. 
But you don't have to. You don't have to. This morning, you can receive new life. You can experience what Paul is talking about here. A life meant for all of us. A life without condemnation. It says in John chapter 3, that God so loved you. He just so loved you without limit or condition that he gave his own precious son so you would not be condemned. You would not perish. You would not be a person without hope or wondering. But you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt his love and experience new life if you place your faith there. Because God, it says in John 3, 17, did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, to rescue you from your brokenness and your sinfulness and all the efforts that you have been trying to do on your own that fail, that end in failure. He has offered you this great message of no condemnation. Isn't that good news? So we celebrate this. It's the first thing that I want to draw your attention to to celebrate. There is no condemnation here. I was with uh, a table of people who have yet to follow Jesus a few days ago. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, part of the story. But um, one of the people was a college-age student, and he was talking about these people that had come to his campus and they stood up on this little platform with this megaphone, and they were screaming, you're all going to hell! A very encouraging message, right? And, um, and he was interacting with this as a person who doesn't follow Jesus, and he was like, it really bugged me. And I said, that really bugs me too. You know why it bugs me? Because they haven't got the message that Jesus communicates to your heart and to my heart today, that there is therefore now no condemnation Men and women, God does not condemn you, but he wants to draw you by his love to relationship with him. He wants to take you out of your condemnation, out of your guilt and shame to a place that's free and forgiven. And so we all celebrate that, don't we? Hello, don't we? We celebrate that. That's the first reason why we celebrate. Second reason we celebrate because we've been set free from sin and death, it says in Romans 8, 2. Listen to the word. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There's one way that leads to death. That's trying to do it all your own, by all your own great activity, by pursuing your own passions, whatever you're doing. All that stuff is like Coke. Tastes good, right? The pursuit of it, the pursuit of your materialism or pursuing your lust or a new relationship, a new date thing or whatever it might be. It's like drinking Coke. And then you read that, wow, Coke is not so good for you. Like if you put a penny in this stuff, bad and now you're pouring it inside of yourself. It leads to death. That's not a very good advertisement for Coke, is it? I still like it occasionally. But if I'm out running and I'm like really working hard, I'm working out. I don't come home from a workout thinking, wow, if I could just have a Coke, right? I think, what, what is my body hunger and thirst for right now? 
yeah, it, it thirsts for something pure. It thirsts for water because that's how I was made. That's what's good for me. And so my body thirsts for that. Jesus himself said, I am the living water. I am the one that you will find satisfaction for in your life. I will give you refreshment, and I am the answer for your soul's longing. I will refresh you. I will set you free from an old way of living, trying to measure up and measure yourself against other people and do stuff. That's not the way that leads to life. I lead to life. Place your faith in me, and because of the resurrection that I proved it in space and time and history, you can have new life in me. I'll demonstrate it, and it will be free for you. Place your faith in me, and you can find freedom from death. My efforts that lead to condemnation and destruction. Christ's resurrection leads in my life to life, and we celebrate that. And we celebrate because our minds are now enjoying life and peace. There was a way that I pursue all these other life pleasures, but that never leads to contentment. Think about it just for a moment. You're pursuing all kinds of different avenues. Just one more car, a nicer car, a nicer home, a better relationship. So I'm going to ditch the one I'm in and try to see if the grass is greener in another relationship. There's a long list of things that we pursue, and they end, Scripture says really clearly, in destruction. Pursue life and find it in Jesus Christ. Find it in Him. It says this in Romans 8, just in the verse 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. All those things I'm just setting on my own pursuits and, and my lust, that's hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, rewind in verse 6. It says this, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is what? It's life and it's peace. If you pursue God, you're going to find contentment and satisfaction there because he loves your pursuit. So celebrate that, that he gives you contentment and peace of mind. That's the one pursuit that will satisfy your heart and your soul. And we celebrate because God's Spirit is now giving us life. Listen, all the other isms, the world's face and religions, they don't lead to the same thing. They don't all lead to God. It's not, that's not true. That, that form of pluralism that's spoken about in our culture they don't all lead to God. They lead to religious exercise and to me trying to do one more thing, to follow the eightfold path or, or to try to build up enough karma or to try to impress other people by how spiritual religious I look or whatever. But they do not lead to freedom. There's only one thing that leads to freedom and that is a living, active relationship with God. When I come to God and I get honest and transparent before Him and say, God, I have not been perfect. I've sinned before you. I confess that freely to you. I need you. Please come give me life. And when that happens, when I get real before God and seek him like that, he gives me life freely. Listen to me very carefully, men and women. There are people here right now that just need this word. In the first service, 
And then again, in the second service, there were all kinds of people that responded. They heard the truth, and they've been seeking it for a long time. God brought you here for a very specific reason, and it's to hear this, that he loves you unconditionally, and he has made a way for you to have relationship that is healthy, that heals your brokenness, that drives through all your avoidance and your junk and breathes new life, that you can begin again right now and it can be right and whole. And for those of us who have experienced it, we praise God for this. We celebrate it. And here's one more reason to celebrate. We celebrate because we're now his children. For those of you who have read through Romans, you You've camped on Romans 8 a bit. You know this great word, right? That he's changed your identity, your relationship. It's no longer a God that you try to avoid because you've done bad stuff and you don't want to get in his face, but a God you want to enter into a different kind of relationship with. And you will actually know that he is your beloved father and you are his beloved kid. Romans 8 says this, such a sweet word for us. It says, verse 15, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You don't have to worry about your future or your eternity, but you can enter into a relationship that's based on God's grace and love for you and those people who do that. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Daddy or Abba, Father. We have a whole different relationship with him, and we celebrate that this morning. Because of his death and resurrection for us, you can enjoy a relationship with God that is intimate and loving and lasting. It will not be based on judgment and condemnation, just that he loves you and forgives you, and he keeps forgiving you. And the great picture of adoption is this, that not only does that bring you great pleasure, but God the Father takes great pleasure in you. Many of you know our story. My wife and I have the great privilege of having two boys who are adopted that we love dearly. There's nothing that they can do that will break our relationship. There's a lot of stupid things that I do <laughs> and a lot of stupid things you know, that they might do, but I love them. I will love them until the day I die. But God's love is so much even greater than that. So much greater than that. And his patience is a lot greater than mine, my sons will tell you. <laughs> his patience for you, his love for you, he just takes pleasure in you. If you haven't heard that word strongly enough, dear men and women, those of you who have been rejected in a relationship, those of you who have been stung and betrayed and hurt and wounded, the Lord God loves you and calls you to himself, to himself in this kind of relationship where you could just cry out to God with affection and intimacy like a little kid. That's what he calls you to. And there's one last thing I want you to celebrate in. There's a woman named Nina Wang who was the richest woman in Asia. She was a multi-billionaire. That's a lot of money. And in 2007, Nina decided to change her will. She met a feng shui master, Tony Chen, who told her, Nina, if you will just 
sign over all your stuff to me, then I will grant you eternal life. And she did. Much, you know, to the disappointment of all her kids that found out later. And in 2007, Nina died and discovered she didn't get eternal life. She didn't get it. You can't buy it. That price, dear men and women, has already been paid for you. It's already been paid for you by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you and proved his love for you by rising from the dead and offers it to you right now in this very moment. And when you receive that, then the end of Romans 8 tells us that we have one more thing to celebrate in, and it's simply this. Romans 8, 17 says that if children, if we're now his children, then we're his heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him, provided we reign his and walk with him. Listen, there is a great gift for you, an immeasurable inheritance. For those of us who have trusted Jesus, listen to me, you're the richest people in the world. Your neighbor might have a nicer car or a nicer house, but no one's richer than you because the riches of God are immeasurable and eternal. They last. All these things we celebrate together as followers of Jesus. But if you have not yet trusted Jesus and what he's done for you, then none of it's yours. You sit condemned. And you don't have to walk out that way. Would you please just give people privacy around you and close your eyes just for a second. Just close your eyes or look down. And I'm going to give an invitation so that you would respond, for those people who never have, to the loving grace of God. You came this morning and you've never experienced health and wholeness, healing of your brokenness, you're trying to be avoiding it or bury it or whatever. Or maybe you've never heard this, that God really truly does love you with an abiding, limitless love. And because of what happened in real history, Jesus, his own son, dying for you and rising again, that you could experience life and it'd be a gift. It's free, but you have to receive it. If you would like to receive that great gift right now and become new and enjoy all these things the rest of us celebrate, you can do it. All you have to do right now is honestly get transparent with God and say, Lord, I have not been perfect. I need you and your forgiveness. I confess my sin before you. I want new life in you. I want to follow you. Oh God, would you take me and make me your kid? Would you give me your forgiveness right now? Just pray that out right now where you sit. For those of you who know Jesus, I just want you to bake and sit in this. Just fill out the blank. I celebrate you, Lord, because, and just offer him your praise. Now, if you've chosen for the first time 
to receive the grace of God by faith, just trusting Jesus. Would you just look at me right now? Just where you're at, just give me your eyes. Great. Man, praise God. Fantastic. Just look at me and say this, yeah, this is me for the first time. Sweet. Anybody else? This is me. I want to trust you. Just look at me in the eye. Great. Oh, man, that's so good. Listen to me. If that's you, that describes you, I want you to know that there's nothing, the end of Romans 8 tells you, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God from this day forward. Nothing can. That you're his child forever. And that's great news. And you were designed to live for him. So please tell someone about your commitment that brought you or come have conversation with one of us that will be down here right away. Right after the service, we would love to talk with you. We praise God. Those of you, just everybody else, just give me your eyes right now, if you would, please. I want you to know this. That today, um, we've had a ton of people come into the kingdom of God. And it's really been the spirit of God at work. It's been very cool to see and humbling to watch. And um, we praise God for that. What better day than on Easter Sunday to have a bunch of people come to Jesus? That's so good. Um, your relationship with God will go through ups and downs, but God will always be faithful to you. And you need people around you to encourage you. So don't stop there. Don't stop with just that commitment. Tell someone that can stand with you. If you need a Bible, we've got Bibles for you. We'd love to give things to you to encourage you with. We're so grateful that you came. We're going to end the service with a couple acts of worship, three acts of worship. The first one is singing a song. It's one of my favorite Easter songs. It's become just a real wonderful song that I enjoy. He's risen from the dead. Christ is risen from the dead. Um, we're going to worship that together and sing. And as we do, we're going to take an offering. And for those of you who are new with us, don't sweat it. You can pass it by. But this is our act of worship that helps extend the kingdom of God. We're a church that has complete financial transparency, so you can see where every penny is spent. But this is our act of extending the kingdom and worshiping God, so we give our resources. And there's a third way I'm going to actually um, ask you to step forward. On our sides, we've got these two empty tomb paintings, and we've got a bunch of pens. And we're going to invite you, as the song goes, and we're worshiping together and taking offering, if you'd like, to come forward and just write on one of those with uh, pens that are provided, I celebrate Easter because. I celebrate Jesus because. To so put it in your own words and just go up there and use one of those pens. So three acts of worship that we're going to go out with and celebrate. And at the end of our service, as everyone is doing that and then leaving, I invite you, if you've made trust of Christ, to have a conversation with somebody that brought you or myself and some of the other folks on our pastoral staff team and our, um, our leadership team will be here just to talk with you. I love you. Thank you so much for being here this Easter. Let's continue worship. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. 
Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. For more information on Bridges Community Church, please check out our website at www.bridgescc.org.